All right, so it's, it's uh, Thanksgiving Sunday, and, and we uh, will be celebrating this week. At the heart of it all is gratitude to God for everything, for life, for all the blessings that we have. And in response to our gratitude to God, what do we do? We eat, we gather, we show hospitality. There is, a, uh, there is hospitality that flows from gratitude to God. That is a good thing. That is a right thing way to respond. Uh, and this, So this is a perfect week for us to focus on the topic of true hospitality. And this is a theme that our church has been focusing on together. We had an event uh, uh, last month. Uh, it was the cultural moment event. We've been hosting a number of these and it was entitled The Power of We was the theme of the, uh, the event. Nearly 60 people attended. The entire senior link also participated on a Friday morning in The Power of We. And one of the speakers at that event was a woman named Jo Saxton. And she gave a, a great talk on true Christ-centered hospitality. And the fact that Christ-centered hospitality is exactly what this world needs. And this, this very divided world at times, uh, the New Testament word for hospitality is xenophilia, which is literally the love of the stranger. And it's, it's the, a love of the other. It's love of someone who is different than me at the, at the heart root of this word. And so uh, she gave a great talk. She pointed out that hospitality is not just an action. When we think about hospitality, we think about uh, sharing food with somebody or sharing your home with somebody. But hospitality, it is those actions, but it's also a mindset that we can have as followers of Jesus. And uh, it's, it's been one of the positive things that has come out of this gas crisis that we've been navigating together as a community and as a church and for as families uh, is that we've been able to see beautiful expressions of hospitality in our community. Uh, it, it, when, when things started to go down, I mean, there's been people staying in other people's homes, just your classic example of hospitality, saying you are cold in your home and I have heat in my home and, and I want to welcome you in there. And, uh, and we actually, you may notice as a church, we have uh, partially reheated the building, if you notice. So we have the rotunda has been relit, so there is actual heat out there. We still have our temporary heat here, at least for another day or so, uh, but we're getting very close. But we, uh, uh, opportunities for people to share resources and equipment and information with one another in neighborhoods. Um, we had, um, there's been people who just need time to talk. They're worn out. They're tired from navigating a process of getting their homes restored. Um, we had neighbors who they got relit before we did. And so they had gas in their home and they said, hey, they called up right away, said, we got our gas relit. We're bringing you dinner tomorrow night. Uh, tell us when you want it and what your food allergies are, or you'll just find it on your back steps if you don't get back to us. But it, the food's coming. And just to see people who had been without and to see them have their resources restored and immediately wanting to share them uh, with us was such a blessing. There were families who said, uh, who didn't have their dryers working, so they couldn't do their laundry in their home. And they said to their neighbors, leave your laundry on the back steps. I will take it off your steps. I'm going to do your laundry. I'm going to wash and fold it and bring it back and you'll, you'll find it at your home. And just beautiful ways of sharing. And um, I even heard one, one instance of somebody needed a place to stay, uh, 
And there was another person who didn't have a place to stay, but they were in a temporary kind of a housing situation from the gas company, and invited another person, hey, come into my temporary space, because you need a place, and I at least have this temporary space, and we can share it. Every bit of hospitality, it's just been so beautiful uh, to see people sharing life in this way. And this morning, we, we turn to God, and we turn to His Word, and we turn to this third letter of John. We call it Third John. Uh, again, the shortest book of the Bible by word count. And th- these letters all have this beautiful theme of walking in truth. And this week, the walking in truth is about, one of the expressions of walking in truth is true hospitality. And it is a, uh, it's an important concept for us because hospitality is right at the heart of who God is. If we think about all of, all of what God has done in creating and redeeming the world through the lens of hospitality, God created a home for His creation, a perfect home where we had perfect fellowship with Him and perfect food and experience. But sin enters the world. Sin, we rebel against God. We sin against God, against His perfect home for us. And we are banished from that home. We are separated from Him. But God, yet God, He comes to provide a way to bring us back into His home, back into His perfect paradise, where we can be in perfect fellowship with Him forever. God offers, therefore, the ultimate hospitality to the world. And as we live lives of hospitality, we experience God's heart. We understand God better as we uh, understand His hospitality to us and the hospitality that we then extend to the world around us. So this is a key to our faith and our lives together. Let's pray as we, as we search this. Father, we praise You. We, we have um, voices and instruments and we have these things and we use them not because they in themselves are beautiful, but because You are beautiful and because You are worthy of all of our praise and You are the God of ultimate hospitality. And as we seek to understand this, as we seek to live it out, even this week in in, um, special ways through Thanksgiving, we pray that we would learn something this morning from you, from your word, that we might take it with us from this place as we go forward. So we give you this time. We pray you do your good work. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's take a look at this letter here. Again, this theme of walking in truth jumps right out at us. Look at verse uh, 1, the beginning. It's it's printed on the back of your bulletin. The elder, that's John, the disciple. It's to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. So it's a very personal letter. Uh, You're going to see specific names mentioned throughout this letter. Who I love in the truth. Again, it's the truth of Jesus that binds us together. Uh, Verse 2, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health, that all may go well with you. Even as your soul is getting along well, it it gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it, literally in the text, in the truth. You're walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. There's a way of life that flows from walking in the truth of Jesus. And remember, in the Christian faith, truth is not just an idea that we believe. 
Uh, truth is a person. Truth is Jesus, what he accomplished. Truth was something that they experienced and touched and saw with their eyes and heard with their ears. And they were confident of the truth and they, it created a way of life. So truth is action. It's, it's not that we believe one thing and then we just live a certain way. It's no, we believe a truth and that truth drives us to live a certain way so there's no inconsistency or dichotomy between what we believe and how we act. It is a truth that is walked out, lived out in the everyday of, of life. And part of that walking in the truth is offering hospitality. And I want to give three quick lessons on, on hospitality here. First is the lesson from, from Gaius. And this is the same situation as, as we looked at last week, if you were here. There was, uh, in the early church, in the ancient world, there were traveling missionaries. There were Christians who were traveling from place to place. Uh, they were prophets and teachers and, and other leaders who were going around. And, and it wasn't, in those days, good to stay in an inn or in one of these places. It wasn't a, a place where you would find good hospitality. They tended to be kind of dirty places or places of poor reputation. So if there was a traveling Christian worker, they would stay in the home of one of the local believers. It saves them money, and it also uh, was a, a way to just love and accept these, these workers. So this man, he did that. He lived it out. So we see this in verse 5. It says, Dear friend, you are faithful in doing for the brothers and sisters you were faithful in what you were doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they were strangers to you. And they've told the church about your love. Um, please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. And we ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. So this man went out of his way to help these traveling workers and to provide for them. And they were strangers to him. These weren't his buddies who were in town for the weekend. These were people he did not know, and yet he welcomed them. And it's the love and the care of the stranger that is a hallmark of God's people. Now, there is the rare instance, and we looked at it last week, where there are instances where you would not show hospitality to somebody. That was a specific case. But uh, the general heart of God for his people is to treat strangers well. In Exodus 22, God instructed his people, do not mistreat an alien or oppress him, for you were aliens in Egypt. God's reminding his people, you were foreigners in a land at one time before I rescued you out of there. And you know how you were treated by the Egyptians. Therefore, when there are foreigners living in your land, you are not to mistreat them. You are not to abuse them or take advantage of them. You are to love them. You are to show hospitality to them. Jesus said in Matthew 25 that this is a basis on which his people will be judged. Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. And as we show these acts of hospitality of providing and care for people. We are, in effect, caring for Jesus as we care for His people. This is at the heart of, of our faith. 
This was one of the, this historically is one of the reasons why historians believe that Christianity became the dominant religion of the Western world is, was Christian hospitality, that Christians uh, offered care and food and support to the ill when times when other people were fleeing away from illness and away from sickness and they were adopting abandoned children and, and the Christians were the ones providing care and hospitality to a world that needed it and it had a major impact. When we read in the New Testament, the qualifications for elders, the qualifications for leaders in the church, for overseer, uh, overseers of God's people, one of the qualifications is hospitality. The kind of people God wants leading are people who are hospitable in these ways. And here in verse 7, we see that these are travelers who are doing their work for the sake of Jesus they're not looking for any help from the non-believing world. And that was very important, that God's people aren't looking to be supported by non-believers. So if a traveling missionary went to a town and was seen as a vagrant or a needy person and just trying to collect money from the local people to just be put up for the night or to have food, that uh, you could see how that would cause a, someone to question the motives of that person. Is this person really doing a good work? Are they just here to get a free handout? Are they here just to take from us or are they here to give something? And here, these travelers wouldn't take, they wouldn't take from their community, but they would go and they would give. And they would need to be therefore supported by believers. And that's, that is a, a good pattern. I want to talk about that in a second. Um, and then verse 8 here, we ought to therefore show hospitality to people so that we may work together for truth. So we're working together in this. And the lesson for us from Gaius, our first lesson, is that true hospitality is costly. If you feed someone, it costs you food. If you shelter them, it costs you electricity and, and water. It, it costs you your comfort. It, you, it, it, it costs time and effort. I am so grateful for us as a church. So we've had to, it's been hard to be hospitable as a church when we don't have things like hot water and heat. And uh, for example, we had to cancel a men's breakfast yesterday because it's just the kitchen's all torn up and it's just been cold and we just are, we just, it, we just couldn't do it. Um, but the effort that people have gone to, particularly Lorna and Penny, her husband John, the This Old Church team, uh, a number of others who have just gone out of their way that we can still gather on Sundays, that we could um, do. It's just a massive cost of time and effort to, to welcome in, even in this place. That's true hospitality. It's always costly. Considering this, considering the reality that hospitality is costly, the, the question then is, well, how do, we, how do we as a church be hospitable neighbors? Um, how do we handle our money? Do, how do, do we get help from the pagans or do we support? Uh, there are churches, and I'm not, I don't say this in judgment, I just say it as an observation. There are churches that make effort to just make money from the world. So uh, a church, for example, a number of churches have 
things like cell towers inside of their bell towers and steeples. And they make money from phone companies to house electronic equipment and, and um, cellular equipment. Uh, churches make money by renting their spaces out to the community. Churches can make money by selling things like a church fair, uh, fundraisers. You know, but the thing is, every time you do that, you're now competing against local businesses. So for example, if AT&T came to us and said, hey, Free Church, you've got this bell tower in the downtown. We'd love to put equipment in there to serve our customers, and we'll pay you a lot of money to do that. We could do that and take their money and use the money for good purposes, but we are now competing against our next door neighbor, who is also a telecommunications company. Uh, so we would now be aiding one and maybe hurting another. We don't, we don't do that. We don't, we don't charge people fees to use our, our, our building. And people say, well, couldn't we just make money together? Yeah, we got a lot of smart people in this room. We could, we could do all kinds of things together to make money. We could um, buy investment properties. We could hold concerts. We could sell T-shirts. We could sell apple pies, Yankee candles. Uh, we, could, um, we, could do, we could have a, a, you know, a daycare that makes a lot of money. We could do those things. And we could make all kinds of investments and opportunities if our goal was to make money together. But that's not what we do. We don't pull money from our community to use for our ministry. We just take what we have and we send it out to the community through ministry, uh, through our gathered worship, through all these things. This church is very generous. You people give over a million dollars every year, your money, to, to this work of ministry that God has called us to in this place. We have no other income but what you give freely. Except, I'll say this, just to, to be in full disclosure. We do have a small endowment fund, it's a couple hundred thousand dollars, and that uh, is invested and it, it does, in some years, we pray, hopefully in good years, it will accrue some interest. So we would get some income off that. But that endowment fund is just free gifts of people. It itself was just money that was donated in time past. Um, and then the other thing, we do have some small parking agreement with one company. That is purely a pass-through. Every dollar that is given for this parking arrangement goes straight back into the community. There's no overhead. It comes in and we send it out. And we, it's, that's a tough one because we get so many requests for parking, we can't accommodate all those agreements. And so it's, it's a very small amount and it's... It's an old agreement, and it is what it is. Um, but my point is that we, this is a church that where we operate from the free gifts of people, and people have been generous to support the work. Go gospel ministry and gospel hospitality is ultimately costly. And the, re the, the way that we know this the most is through Jesus Christ. His hospitality to take us from being strangers separated from a holy God in sin to back into his home and into his family, it cost him everything. It cost him his life. And he gave it all on the cross for us, his body and blood, sacrificed for us that we will be redeemed and brought into God's home. True hospitality cost Jesus everything. And we just operate as people who are generous and giving in everything. And that's the first lesson. Second lesson. We learn from uh, dioptrophies. Dioph shoot. Uh, we learn it from diotrophies. Not a common name. 
It wasn't a common name back then either, in my defense. This is the man who did not show hospitality, verse 9. I wrote to the church, but Diostrophes, who love to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I'll call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us, and he's not satisfied with that. He even refuses to welcome other believers. And he stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Uh, this, is, this is a man who was a leader in the local church. It might have been maybe a network of house churches, or it's, it's hard to piece this all back together. But here's a local leader who did not accept John's authority. John, the disciple who walked with Jesus, commissioned by Jesus as an apostle, this man did not receive John's authority. And the main issue here is his desire to be first. It's selfishness. Selfishness will always cut against genuine, true hospitality. And, and I think for us, I mean, we don't, you don't feel selfish. I don't always feel selfish because we know selfish people. And we've seen selfish people. And I'm not that selfish person. Until the day, and I may have shared this with you, but I need to say it publicly. So our, our, our heat and hot water, everything went out in the house, in the whole neighborhood, in this 8,000 customers, no, nothing, can't take a hot shower. But my gym, the YMCA, got their gas back, and they have tons of showers and hot water. So now I have a place, a mile from my home, I can go and I can get a hot shower. And I get an email from the gym, it says, the gas at the gym has been restored. And I'm thinking, this is great, I have a place get a hot shower. And they said, and we've invited the entire community, anybody who's been impacted by this, to also come and use our showers. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. This is my shower. I pay my membership dues at this gym. And then I'm thinking these things, and I'm thinking, wait a minute. I am a terrible, horrible human being. That I've wanted a hot shower. I didn't have it. And now that I have it, I don't want anyone else to have it. So I, I confess that. Selflessness will drive our hospitality. Selfishness will hinder it. Again, how do we know? Because of Jesus. Jesus had all the authority. Jesus was their creation. Jesus uh, had all the power. Jesus, in very nature, God... Scripture teaches that even though he had all the authority of God, he did not consider his equality with God to be something to be used to his own advantage, but he made himself nothing, took on the nature of a servant. Uh, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is how you use authority and power, and that is how you are selfless, and that is true hospitality. And that's our second lesson. Hospitality, true hospitality, selfless. Lastly, a lesson from Demetrius. Verse 11. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil is, has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even the truth itself. We also speak of him, and you know that our testimony is true. The lesson we learned from Demetrius is that hospitality is learned. Hospitality is a learned 
behavior. Here, he's, here John is teaching. He says, don't be like Diotrephes. Diotrephes uh, be like Demetrius. We have to learn this stuff. And who have you learned hospitality from? Or who are you learning hospitality from? Because we learn it from one another. You may have learned wonderful hospitality from your family of origin. Or you may have learned uh, to shun people, to not offer hospitality, to be stingy. You may have had good or bad examples, but who are you going to look to to learn hospitality? For me, in my life, there's been a number of people. One of them was, was Pastor David Midwood. Pastor David was amazing at hospitality. He used to throw these parties. He'd say, come over at 7 o'clock. I'm having a bunch of the boys over. And he'd just get the right people in the room. And there was good food and good drink. And, and everybody shows up. And he, he introduces everybody to everybody else. 8 o'clock rolls around. And he said, all right, folks. My job here is done. I'm going to bed. I said, David, we're, you invited us over to your house. We've only been here an hour. He said, oh, no, no, you stay. You, you just shut the lights off and lock the door behind you. I'm going to bed. My job here is done. And he would do like this and walk up to his bedroom, and we're all sitting there eating food in his house saying, all right. But he knew that his gift was to set the stage, and he paid for everything to get the right people in the room, people who needed to talk to one another, who needed to support one another. And he knew that he didn't have the energy to, to stay up late, and he just said, this is now for you. And it was just such a beautiful, he knew what he could give. It was a lesson to me. He did it mostly when Louise was out of town, but there was, because <laughs> we would just be there. All right, my mother, she, I, she used to embarrass me with her hospitality. I'm there with my friends in the basement at my house. She'd come down with a tray of grilled cheese sandwiches and a pitcher of Kool-Aid. And she's like, hey, boys, here's some food. I'm like, Ma, you're embarrassing me. Leave us alone. But, but these guys start eating like, your mom is so cool. She makes us sandwiches. And she, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. And I'm thinking, you know, I see it as an embarrassment, but she just wants to love and give food. Just simple acts of hospitality. My in-laws, I've learned so much about hospitality from them. This is my uh, mother and father-in-law just have opened their house over the years for people who needed a place, young, typically young people who in various levels of, of need and, and support needed a home for a season. Just bring them in. You've got a room in our house as long as, as, long as you need. And they just over and over have done this at great cost to themselves and, and they just give. It's something you learn, but it's also something you teach. Again, Jesus... He taught his disciples hospitality. John is writing this. John, John, who's writing this letter, had his own feet washed by Jesus himself. And Jesus said, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. The God of the universe washed this man's feet. And you can understand. He's saying, hey, you need to show hospitality. We need to be people who are famous for this. And that's our third lesson, that true discipleship is learned. So true discipleship, uh, true, not true discipleship, true hospitality. True hospitality is costly. True hospitality is selfless. And true hospitality is learned. And then here we go. Here we go again. John runs out of space. He's on a single sheet of papyrus. And he says, let's talk face to face. I love it. He's done. I'm finishing too. His, go his gospel ends. He wrote this beautiful 
account of Jesus' life with lots of dialogue and just beautiful theological reflection of Jesus' life. And he finishes his gospel by saying, Jesus did a lot of other things. I can't write it all down. The end. John 20. Look it up. 21. Um, I love how he ends it. This, hey, there's a lot we could say about hospitality, but we're done because I'm out of time. Have an awesome Thanksgiving. Start tonight. Come back tonight and hear the testimonies that are going to be shared. And you can, there'll be opportunity for you to share testimony if you'd like as well. We're just going to praise God for what he's doing in our hearts. And we're, going to, we're going to praise and we're going to hear testimony. Um, we have to be intentional with this. We're not just going to fall into hospitality. We've got to learn it. Um, sometimes you don't want to do it, and sometimes it's hard, but we just, um, as we walk in truth, we, need to, we, we will learn it and practice it. But in Christ, in understanding him and his heart, we can then, our hearts can be transformed to live this. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this would be the Free Christian Church, that we would be a people who are absolutely famous for our hospitality, uh, together as a church, as we do this work together, individually in our homes, and wherever you call us to, Lord, that we would be famous. And Lord, we only know what true hospitality is because you have extended it to us. We, sinners broken and lost and separate from you, strangers, a holy God, a sinful people, yet you have opened the door at the cost of Jesus Christ his great sacrifice for us, to redeem us, to bring us home. And we await the day when we live eternally in the, our permanent home with you forever, before your throne, as your people, united for your glory, Lord. Lord, change us and shape us. Be glorified, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.